Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes, and with me is Pete Leinenweber, Peter Donahue. Wonderful to be here, Andy. Good Peter. to be back. This is everyone's favorite soccer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, South Korea, Brazil, what are your thoughts? <laughs> South Korea, Wow, Brazil. didn't know they were playing. <laughs> I mean to tell you, I do love the fact that uh, it's, uh, it's the United Nations going on. Yeah. You know what? I mean, that's a, it's a it's a wonderful event for that. I don't know. Is there any other? The Olympics, for sure. I don't think this they. Is like, yeah, I don't think they hold a candle to the World no, Cup. No, this is something. Uh, no, it's opened my eyes. I've watched more soccer in the last two weeks than my the rest of my life combined. Yeah, and it's all because of you. Wow. Andy. Yeah, you could you could say that. I'm a true yeah. influencer. You, you brought us. It's you been brought my us dream. in. Yeah. yeah, no, no, you're a man of your times. You definitely are an influencer. Yeah, wow. Do you, um, is it, so do you like it more than baseball now? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had a team, I've said this before, I think if I had a team to cheer for and to follow, that I would be much more into soccer. But because it's not big here, and I'm not going to get into the MLS, I would have to choose, you know, just randomly choose a team. Yeah. Um, which... I haven't gotten to that point yet, but no, I, I baseball is my. But you could do it's my could true watch love sports without, without the the shackles of following the team that you were just randomly. You're trying to like yeah. You don't the have only have to have a team. You don't have to have a team. Just look at it differently. The only sport that I really do that with is golf. In the years that Tiger's been out, yeah. I've just watched to watch and enjoy the sport for what it is without having a rooting interest. At least like you know, like a team. You know, like the White Sox or the Bears or whoever. Have you picked a live team yet to follow? <laughs> I have not. I haven't watched a single shot of <laughs> the live tour. Yeah. All right. Our topic from today comes from a podcast from the Fire Pit Collective. They interviewed Michael Murphy, the author of Golf in the Kingdom. Um, everyone should probably just stop listening to this podcast and go listen to that one because it's pretty, pretty special. Um, but in the podcast, um, Jeff Ogilvy, he's on it for some reason, but he talks about how um, they're talking about Ben Hogan. He talks about how um, Ben Hogan loved to practice. And he said Ben Hogan didn't practice. Okay, there's two parts. He didn't practice to get better. He practiced because he loved hitting golf shots and that he didn't try to win tournaments. Winning tournaments is what kind of happened because he loved hitting golf shots. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think that, uh, like you said, uh, we could argue whether or not, you know, that's actually what he did uh, or just a notion that somebody, you know, could sure. play like that. Now, if you, you know, Hogan, uh, towards the end of his life, had a great interview with Ken Venturi <clears throat> in which... Um, 
he really spoke candidly because he loved Venturi. Um, and, um, and he does say, he said, uh, he said, you know, I had hard times. And he said that was, a, that was a difference between me and most other people, certainly modern athletes um, who, don't, who haven't known hard times. So he said, I knew how to work. And, uh, and I wasn't afraid of work. And I didn't find it boring. Um, but he said, I practiced. Uh, I just love to get up and practice every day. I practice all kinds of shots, he'd say. And he just considered it. And he said, I wasn't doing it to win, win golf tournaments. I was doing it because I love to do it. Now, was he a competitive man? Did he want to win golf tournaments? I believe he did. Um, but uh, I think once he, well, I don't know once anything. I know he always worked hard, and he had and he had challenges. You know, I mean, he he. Uh, he hooked the ball terribly, and he needed to figure it out. And, and he had to figure it out on his own. There was no, no road map. Nobody had gone out before him to tell him, Ben, go this way. He had to dig it out of the dirt. So he had to build his own references and do his own experimenting and stuff. And, and uh, he does a beautiful job when you, um, when you read, you go back and read his, his five modern fundamentals, the white book, and he talks at the end, or maybe he talks at the very beginning about the fact that he was a, um, he was an explorer. He, he expected science and understanding to go beyond where he'd gotten to in his life, but he dedicated decades of his life to understanding and developing himself as an athlete and his awareness and exploring leverage and angles and power source and, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, he felt uh, a higher purpose for his exploration. It was kind of like Viktor Frankl, you know, in uh, Man's Search for Meaning. You know, if, you, if you're driven by a higher purpose, uh, and you, you're going to create something, um, then you're you're living optimal experience. You know, you're you're living moments in the zone where other purpose people are just visiting <laughs> by accident <laughs> from time to time because they're in Scotland. You know, playing golf as you pointed out. I don't. I want. Hey, I want to have it so I don't need to go to a special place. Mm-hmm. to feel especially moved. But Hogan found that place, and he lived in that place. Yeah, I, I don't know how I could say it better than you just said it. I thought that there's certainly some truth to that comment that Jeff Ogilvie made, but um, like you said, Pete, I think he was a competitor. Like, there has to be – it can't be 100% that he just loved hitting golf shots. Like, part of him had to, you know, want to win – if he were to do what he did. Um, but I think, you know, he had like famously had like a, a horrifically bad car crash that I'm pretty sure he was not supposed to walk after, if I remember correctly. And um, I think certainly after that, I could see him being more just like thankful to be able to play, thankful to be able to walk, thankful to be able to be on the golf course, and then let alone 
have the career that he had post crash because you know, he won multiple major championships after that, did he not? Oh yeah. So maybe at that point where he you know had had everything taken away from him in that moment and then realized like well, this is more than just you know succeeding on in tournament golf and more about just loving the game um and like jeff said loving to hit good golf shots i think he was uh i think he was yes he was much changed by the he had to be right of that accident well he was surprised uh, at the outpouring uh, of support for him he he didn't think of himself that way you know he he thought of himself as a scruffy little hard scrabble texan mm-hmm. you know who who knew hard times yeah and uh, um and he was just uh, opened up by the experience of people reaching out to him yeah i mean i don't really know anything about Ben Hogan. Never met him. Not sure if Jeff Ogilvie ever knew him, you know, at all. I think what I am most most interested in is his um even even if it's completely made up, like it could be made he, he him turning Ben Hogan into like a Chivas Irons type character where maybe we could still learn something from that description of him. Um, in college, I studied ethics. Did you ever study ethics? Mm-mm. I took an ethics class in high school. Like utilitarianism. Do you know what that mm-hmm. is? I mean, I remember talking about it, but no, I can't. It's like there's like different there's like different ones. Like utilitarianism, mm-hmm. like deontology is one. Like utilitarianism is like a way of like thinking in the world where it's like mm-hmm. the ends justify the means. Like as long as uh, you know the most good for the most amount of people by what you know whatever means necessary and then like deontology is the other one where it's like actually no it's not about the ends it's about like the way that you do it and like the means actually are, are important as well so it's like different ethical you know ethical theories out there and so I thought this was a an interesting one um, because it maybe gave a different ethic for golf than the one that we're used to hearing or yeah. maybe even participating in. And we were talking last last week um, about like, you know, may, I don't know, we were ta- was it we're talking about reasons for playing like persimmon golf or, or kind of neck, Pete, you're helping us like next steps for ourselves. And, uh, you know, you mentioned like thinking about golf as a way of like being creative and um, can't remember the other one you said, but and those those are things that we've like all heard before, but are, and are all part of it. But I think they they stop short of like being an actual like an ethic the way that Ogilvy talked about Ben Hogan here, in as far as being like, hey, this this was the most important thing. He loved to just like hit awesome golf shots, and that was really what drove him to maybe do everything else. Whereas I think lots of people um, their default. Their default ethic is not, it's really fun to hit golf shots. Their default ethic is like, well, I play golf for some reason because my friends do or my coworkers do, and I just want to play as good as I can so I don't embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. Or I want to shoot a good score so I can talk about it and brag about it. Um, you know, though I think that's kind of like the default ethic that everyone has, and we don't quite have, we haven't at least published or thought out other options as explicitly as Ogilvy said. Mm-hmm. So, 
the question becomes like, I don't know. Have you got, do you, I mean, I guess, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like maybe people already kind of do this and it's not as new as I'm thinking? No, Andy, I think that, uh, no, I don't think, I think that some people do, you know, play more for uh, reasons other than looking good. Sir. But most people don't because um, they're conditioned to believe that the, you know, rewards of the world, um, you know, are utilitarian yeah. or mm -hmm. you know what 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 is being marketed sure to them i mean they you know they're yeah because they've never been given another option no so right we're giving them that option that's there what this you podcast go wow. is about. <laughs> there yeah you go. that's where we're trying to go with this because sometimes we uh um you know i don't know chris always he referenced he's like he's like andy i know you just you like to be out there just like looking at the clouds and smelling the grass, <laughs> but he's like, I know you really want to win or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I somehow like get our this podcast has given me the reputation among our staff that I just like that don't care about score at all. And, and so like anytime it turns into like, anytime we say something like golf is more than just the score, it, it just turns into thinking like, Oh, that just means we're not going to try that hard. And, you know, we're not going to really do anything out there and you know, doing something else than what everyone else is doing. But I think this potentially gets at a different way of looking at it because where we can say, oh, it's not it's not really about the score. It's about something else really tangible. Do you think have you ever seen uh, I think it's it's a movie called uh, River Runs Through It. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've seen it. It's about. Uh, it's about two boys and a father um, who are, uh, share something together, and that's fly fishing. And you know the rhythm of the f the fly fi the fly mm -hmm. rod, and uh, and something. Sure. And there's a meditation, you know, to it, and a beauty to it, and stuff like you know that. Now, you think those guys don't catch fish? They definitely do. They definitely catch fish, you know. And I think one of the things that um, that we're, I believe, we're looking for is a. Um, in the first place, you know, greater, I guess, skill um, is uh, skill is really enjoyable. I mean, we know that golf is somewhat of a, a game about luck, and we know that sometimes you can shoot a really good number, and it's like, uh, it really wasn't as – I've hit the ball better than that. For sure. But everything went in today, and I, I have no idea what to say about that. Is that something that I own or what? I'd like something that – I'd like to some sort of proof from today that there's something that I own in this, that it's not just a random happenstance, you know, that, no, I mean, I, I hit the ball, I scored that number today because I control my ball. Or I was able to quiet my mind in the face of nervousness mm -hmm. 
or you know whatever got me overstressed. I'd like to walk away with that, not just that it was Mr. Toad's wild ride, and you know I don't know how I yeah. hung on to that because I was totally out of control, or or. Hey, I was totally out of control, and it was a wild ride. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes those are the most fun rounds. Yeah, I think, no, no. Where you're able to, you know, pull it out of scramble your... a score, figure it out. Yeah, you know. I don't know how I did it. Those yeah. are the, those are in the moment, especially if it's let's say in a tournament or a competitive round. Those are stressful. Certainly more stressful than when you're hitting it great. But if you're able to, you know live in the moment and figure it out while as it goes and somehow shoot a score i think those are the most satisfying or rewarding ones yeah i do too one of the most memorable rounds i ever played was at medina number three with these three doctors and i was at the height of my or close to the height of my physical collapse it was so painful for me to swing through that I really I couldn't hit the ball two oh, you know two hundred yards and some swings would go completely off and here I am playing Medina number three <laughs> and I managed to get the ball up and down from places you can't even imagine and I got in and I shot seventy eight and the way I started you wouldn't have bet that I'd you know broken ninety I mean it was just it was but it was just like something I was following this possibility and it excited me and I never worried that the ball was woefully offline I just thought man I'm just gonna battle in here and holy crap I mean I can't tell you you know that round has lived in my mind for 20 years and it was like what are you gonna say about shooting 78 that's like big deal mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. I mean but no it wasn't what what I what I owned from that day was, man, I can do this. You know, I have resource that I didn't even realize I had. I was in hopeless positions. And all I did was, you know, think about a landing spot in my mind. You know, like, it wasn't even in my view because it was way the hell up the hill. But I thought, I'm going to drop this thing right on that fringe, right, as if there was a bucket there. And I'll be a son of a gun if it doesn't happen, you know. And I and I and even with that, the best I could do is hit it twenty feet away from the hole, and then I knocked it in. <laughs> and what, what what year was this? I think it was. I think I was like fifty five, somewhere in there. I was. That's that's as long ago as I started falling apart. Um, and you still remember? Oh, I mean, it was. Knowing, you know, knowing that you have a resource that you just didn't, that's what that round did for me. I just didn't know that I was, that my imagination could be that powerful. And coupled with a, you know, a competitiveness like, I wonder if I can do this. I'm interested in coming at this um, kind of maybe from, from a backwards point of view, what I want you guys to think about your original or like an original like ethic of golf that you had when you were either younger that you don't currently have anymore. So like for me, it was like growing up like high school and college. The only thing 
um, that mattered to me was like was my score. My dad, my dad would always talk about like golf is just like you versus the course, and so it's like whatever that score was, there's always like some sort of a scoring hurdle, you know, trying to break 100, then to 90, then 80, and you know, and, and so on. But it was still like at the end of the day, whatever score you shot, that was really the only thing that mattered. And if you didn't shoot the score you wanted, then I would either try like swing tips from Golf Digest. I like never had lessons, so it just make a new thought, you know, a new thought or a new thing of the day, or like buy like a new club or a different club. Like, like there's second swing golf is like really big now, but it used to be like really small, and it started in Minneapolis, and they had just like really good deals, and you could like trade in club for like another club and stuff, and so. That was like a fun, it was a really fun thing to do, but it was probably not helpful to my score to be changing equipment all the time. You know, they didn't really have club fitting the same way they do today. Um, so, but it's still a fun adventure, but it was still like all, it was like always related to like, if you didn't shoot the score you wanted, then it's like, oh, it's either your equipment must, you got to fix that before next time you play or like you got to try a new swing thought, like would never like go like rarely would go practice. Like we just like, just play, you know, just play again, try again next time, I think. So that was, that was like my default. Yeah. And so kind of like constantly fighting against that a little bit today, but like, what do you guys? Um, yeah, mine was similar. Um, nobody in my f- immediate family golfed. Um, so I was, it was kind of, I was creating my own journey a little bit. Um, when I picked up the game seriously, I didn't have, you know, an older brother that, pl- I mean, my brother plays, but just for fun, I didn't have like a, my dad didn't play and my brother didn't play. My grandfather played a little bit, but I didn't really have like an example of somebody that, you know, like you said, your dad told you that when you were younger. So I just kind of did it on my own. And because of that, all that mattered in my head was the score and that defined how I would feel for the next 24 hours so like a good score you feel great you go home you feel awesome you know you're like wow i'm a i'm pretty good at this and then you know that wears off slowly um and then vice versa is true as well where you shoot a bad score and you're like wow that's uh that sucks like (laughs) that that's you're not a good good you're not a good player whatever it would be um but i did love to practice that's all i did i used to play in my front yard um my there's like a little drainage hole in my parents front yard in evanston it was literally the size of a golf hole. So like I bought a flag on, on eBay and I like put it in there and I used to, I was the landscaper at my parents' house. So I would mow my lawn way too short. And I would also mow the neighbor's lawns too. And I would kind of like make a fairway of somebody like, it was ridiculous looking back at, it, I would take divots out of people, random people's <laughs> yards. Um, <laughs> people would call my parents and be like, Hey, can you tell, you know, your son to not take full swings out of our yard? <laughs> very normal ask <laughs> but i did it for years like the mailman used to tell me that i was gonna he was gonna watch me on tv someday um <laughs> but but anyway that's how i like regained confidence is i was i would play as if i was tiger and i would like shoot you know 62 at augusta national or whatever but then i would go practice you know at Wilmette or at peter jan's uh, canal shores now but anyway i the score was what defined was my ethic it was like it you know it's good bad in between and nobody in my family knew what a good or bad score was at that time. So, like, if my mom asked me how I played, I said, let's say, 89 or 92. She'd be like, oh, that's so great. And I, in my head, I'm like, that's terrible. Like, what are you talking? And, you know, I had no sympathy for the fact that she didn't she didn't know any better, right? She didn't play golf herself, and nobody else did. So, anyway, 
it was certainly based off score, but I did love that was my response was to just practice even more. But you, you also said though that score the score was like very related to like your mood for the next twenty four yeah, hours. Certainly. So do you think that's like the extension of it for you of like it wasn't it was just wasn't just score, but it was also like you're playing for like your ego or your like your self esteem. Yeah, because that was so really because that's different than mine. Mine was score, but it was like other. It was like I would almost blame things outside of myself yeah. for the, for the problem. Where it seems like you were interested in score for like maybe potentially like the high that it gave you for the next. Yeah, and time. it actually eventually translated into um, just proving that I was who I who people thought I was mm. in my family and my extended family. I was known as the golfer. I yeah. still am to some my cousins yeah. and, and aunts and uncles and whoever and it's like if you don't live up to the the golfer of yeah. the family then what what are you sure. worth yeah um so yeah an extension of that was not only my mood but my like self-esteem for the next you know two days or whatever it would be um sometimes good rounds would last longer and bad rounds would last longer but i was usually pretty good at just like you know trying to move on and, and going not not necessarily earning it in the dirt like maybe Ben Hogan was, but trying to. Hogan did the same thing you did. When his mother would send him to the store, he would golf his ball over the hedges <laughs> from yard to yard. Yeah. <laughs> so you and Hogan share that. That's good. Yeah, I never met anybody like you. <laughs> I would do it every day. Oh. Every day. That's awesome. Lots of divots. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Pete? Well, I definitely, I, I, uh, I'm, Pete and I are tied at the hip as far as as uh, golf uh, and golf scores were concerned you know uh, um, that was it I mean that was my my whole self-esteem was based on validation as a human being was based on sport because I didn't think I was very smart and I didn't I thought that's where I was gonna you know find my worth in the world and um, and <clears throat> when I wouldn't it was uh, it was it was a uh, injuring I was uh, I wasn't in a you know very good mood and I and I know I've told you the story that you know as I was kind of fighting my way out of it uh, you know I went to to Pine Valley I'm not really sure what year it was but I, I played a really really good round of golf and I played 15 holes at um, at even par, but I shot 82 because I made a 10 on the 17th <laughs> hole. And so when I got in, you know, somebody asked me, you know, one of the men that was in our group there yeah. at Pine Valley, you know, how'd you play today, bro? Yeah. And I said, I played really good. Yeah. And he said, well, what'd you shoot? And I said, I shot 82. And he said, well, you're a pro. 82 isn't very good. <laughs> and I explained to him, I said, listen, I played uh, the golf course, the back nine in eight pars and a 10. <laughs> Pine Valley. And I was even par for 15 holes. And out of four hours, I spent uh, three hours and 28 minutes glorying in my brilliance as a player, riding uh, the wave, crest of the wave. Mm -hmm. And then I spent a half an hour <laughs> not chopping it yeah. up. Sure. So how would you say I played? And he said, 
I'd say you shot 82. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, have it your way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, you know, it's been a fight because, yeah, I, uh, you know, that's, and fortunately, fortunately for me, I lived long enough to become an old man and have that kick the, life kick the stuffing out of that idea. You know, like, forget it, old man. You're never going <laughs> to, you're not, you know, it's going to, you're going to have to uh, absolutely, you know, uh, climb Mount Everest to get back to any kind of glory scoring your ball. You can try, though, you know, and I am. I'm going to try to get better, but you know now I'm doing it in a different way than <clears throat> than I've done it before, and that's because I've been around the block lots of times, and I've tried it lots of ways. And uh, my uncle Joe is always there every time I come around another lap. How's that working out for you, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found it yet, Joe. I haven't found the way. <laughs> I'm getting closer, though. Mm. You mentioned Pine Valley, and you've talked before about like time you played Pine Valley in the dark. Yeah. And so the kind of person who would play Pine Valley in the pitch black by themselves maybe has a slightly different you know, ethic of the of golf compared to someone who is like only concerned about the score. Yes. You can't make a score. You can't, you know, I suppose you can't tell people about, you know, that you played a couple holes in the but dark. But who would believe you? <laughs> well, <laughs> 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 sure. What, I guess for you, like what, uh, maybe what changed and how would you then like define that, that change, that new, like, ethic or new outlook on it you know andy i i was you know uh you glimpse certain things along the way <coughs> you know you glimpse certain miracles some improbabilities that you just can't explain through any kind of mechanical approach that um, that you try to train somebody in so it always intrigued me that there was something, you know, as the Scots would say, beyond my ken, uh, that I wasn't seeing, that I didn't understand, but because, you know, because of magic, you know, that I'd seen uh, on the golf course. It was like, how does a 100-foot putt go in the hole? Well, you were intending to do it, weren't you? Well... <laughs> so you mean but what does it mean when I intend to do something and I don't get it then? well you know I don't know <laughs> keep looking you know yeah. so so I've always been uh, mystified and, and intrigued by miracles and um, and uh, and as Hogan you know said the harder I work the luckier I get and I think, I think it's just that, you know, exercise creates revelation. It creates unfolding of things unfelt inside your body, first of all. And then it, it turns out to be um, skillfulness that you suddenly possess. 
you know, you're able to control your body in motion in a certain way. And I think that, I think you find the same thing, whether it's, whether it's a, you'd call it a mental experience or a physical experience, or whether you want to say it's, it's a, beyond that and it's a spiritual experience. Um, so I think that um, glimpses of, uh, of ecstasy and, uh, and miracles and, and exaltation is like, wow, I'd like to have more of that. Yeah. Cool. So how is how does that relate to the score? To right now. Well, you know what I mean. Because I think I wonder. I think score. The more I think about this stuff, like score is so important because it gives, uh, gives gives the like the train some tracks, a little bit. Yeah. Like or or. The, I don't maybe not the best analogy there, but it, it if you go out on the first tee and you look to your group and you're like, guys, I'm just I'm here for the miracles. Yeah, that's you know like yeah. what is that? what is that like what okay what are you doing? Uh, yeah, or but like yeah. you're still doing something and and that's a part you know that's a part of it. Yeah, but trying to think. Well, of how I to think describe it. I think MacGyver and Chivas, you know what they were doing intentionally on the course that day was. You know, was it? They were dutifully recording the scores, mm -hmm. but their focus wasn't on the scores. It was on things like finding center and true gravity. Um, and so it was while they were doing these exercises that they'd say, "Oh, you know, let's let's sure. let's genuflect at and on our way out of the church, we'll write the score down." And uh, and you know, but what was so wonderful when they when they talked about it, you know, in the end, remember when they when they come in and they're and and they said uh, MacGyver was keeping the score, was he not? And uh, and he says, Mister uh, Murphy, you shot a eighty-six or whatever, but you shot a 30 or something on the back, yeah. on the back nine. Yeah. So there were aspects of score, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think they did it in the right order. They were sort of reporting. It's kind of a dance that you do. You know, oh, and your score, your, by the way, your journey around the 18 holes, you know, was if it was a mile race, you ran it in sub four minutes, you know, uh, you know, it was it was like that. Oh, I didn't even realize that. You know, I mean, I was having so much fun. I felt my stride, you know, about the three-quarter mile mark. And you know, runners will tell you more about about their their run than their their quarter-mile splits. I mean, they can tell you how it felt, and you know. Their sure. rhythms, mm -hmm. and, you yeah. know, how their legs felt and s stuff far more interesting than their splits or the end score. But, sure. you know, it's a result. And, uh, you know, so it's just one of the results. But I think it's the result that, that got to be culturally in golf recognizable as the Americanization of golf. 
the pencil and scorecard generations that came after the classic golf designers who were designing the game for match play. Hmm. McKenzie, you know, said it. I think he was the one that, or I'm sure they all referred to him as pencil and scorecard yeah. golfers. Mm -hmm. But the only reason they play is not for the, not for the beauty, not for the poetry, not for the congeniality not they were only playing it and they're bitching and whining about stuff that keeps them from being able to score that's yeah. just you know gutting mm -hmm. the game of its soul sure so you know andy you're you're if you're become a time traveler you'll love to go back and play with uh, mckenzie and ross and all those guys i already got the clubs <laughs> <laughs> um, yes you do so do you have any do you have any tips of how to uh or any things to stay away from to help find more miracles on the course you know i think first in the first place i think that your what your fun for for the game that you you know had uh back when you started like hey you know how we're going to remedy this is yeah. we're going to go out and make ourselves feel better we're going to buy new bats <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to we're yeah. going to come home and glory in their shininess yeah. who doesn't like a shiny new oh, set sure. of irons yeah everybody loves them I mean, what's yeah. the best? Have you ever? I mean, you don't, Pete. You have the same clubs from like forty years ago. I know, Andy, but I'm telling you, when I was younger, I got a okay. lot of enjoyment yeah. out of shiny so bats. You used to, okay? Yeah. Okay. No, I got to a certain point in my life where I said the highest thing that I'm going for is I'm going to eliminate everything that could shut me down. So I gave up all my superstitions, and. Uh, I stopped wearing spikes and I stopped wearing a glove because what if I didn't have my spikes? What if I didn't have a glove that felt good? <laughs> you know, so I said, I'm going to free myself of all these things that are tying me down. Mm -hmm. And then I said, listen, I'm going to get better. And how I'm going to get better is I'm not changing the equipment. And that way I'll know it's me. Sure. And I'm not going to play lift clean in place because... That's not how I want to measure myself. So I had little games that I was playing, you know, that meant only stuff to me. Sure. <laughs> and um, I have a follow-up to the equipment thing. Um, you were having yesterday. You were having a conversation with that woman, um, that mother of a student who was the, the photographer. Yeah. And you said something. I think I wrote it down. Um. You said the sweet spot for some things is, is in the past and that change is not, I think you said change is not always progress. for the better. Yeah. Progress, that's yeah. what you said. Change is not always progress. Do you think that's the case with golf equipment now is that we're not necessarily, just because there's a new thing every six months, that it doesn't mean that it's better or it's progress no, from the last one? No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. But if your fun is in that chase i want to see if see if i can find you know the club that absolutely lines up with me that like in the movie avatar you know you would be united with that the flying beast the mm -hmm. dragon or whatever that would be like well that's what you know yeah. we're, we're looking for excalibur 
you know, uh, King Arthur's, you know, sword, the, only, the one that brought the best out in him. And, that, and that's, you know, that's, a f that's legit, right? Now, it's not legit if you're bitching about not being skillful or, you know, other things. It was like, like well, listen, if you really wanted to be skillful, you'd work on your skills. Right. Right? You wouldn't buy new clubs. <laughs> <laughs> you'd become a better athlete. You'd be better balanced. Yeah. You'd be better able to use parts of your body to right. generate power and discover, you know, the Bruce Lee's, the short punch, you know, uh, and uh, you'd do that. You'd follow that path, not this thing that you But people on. do that, though. Well, people sure do they that. do. Yeah, they bitch about, you know... Um, they bitch about things that that are. I'm not sure. I don't think I understand the difference between uh, paradox and, and and irony, but there's something something covers covers it. Like they bitch about um, the struggle, but if there was no struggle, <laughs> where would the interest be? Right. You know, there sure. wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be any. Mm -hmm. You know. And yes, yeah. I worry that that the equipment is making the game too easy for the best players in the world, and it, it just doesn't look that interesting anymore. It looked more adventurous in an earlier day, and it was more creative. I mean, frankly, we talked about that last time. The shot making of shot making was the thing. Now it's ball launch. Something else. Yeah, but for me. It you know buying shiny bats was the fun you know was the fun, but and this was okay if that's people's you know if that's their ethic, but it wasn't it was only that way because I didn't have any other options presented to me, and so that, it's kind of like yeah you can, um, you know whatever is dry whatever like makes you love the game it's like okay like go with that but also. There actually are all of these other different ways to, you know, to look at the game. For me, it was like, well, we like, we grew up like an evangelical church, like Christian family, like church and spiritual stuff. That was that was at church, and that was that was that thing. Golf was something fun. It was, you know, golf and baseball and basketball. These are different. You would never look for, uh, you know, the divine in in golf, because you know, that's for somewhere else. But there's there's not not tons of people saying these things but there are enough saying like hey there's more there's more options mm -hmm. for how for how you see this yes um, yeah so true and you know and and we yes that's we are definitely performing a public service here there's no <laughs> question about it <laughs> i mean you know it's because we're seduced by uh, the culture sure and, and you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the hocus pocus of you know creating values, mm -hmm. and our values right now, you know, are and I didn't make this up. The social commentators have said this before. Not by our institutions like church and and uh, schools and family and stuff. It's marketers. Mm. Yeah, sure. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. I mean we're. The, the kids are coming home and telling, you know, the parents what they, what they want, you know, based on what's cool. You know, I got to have this. I got to have a Barbie or I got to have a, 
you know, or yeah. whatever. You know, my life wouldn't be complete without this because all the kids in school have it. Or, Dad, I've got to join the AAU basketball thing because, you know, that's the only way I'm going to have yeah. fun in basketball is to be the best or be, you know, accepted, you know, on mm -hmm. the team. And, uh, you know, so at any rate, we've turned, we've taken the, the sport away from the children the adults are running it by their rules and thinking that their kids are just smaller adults, you know, and thinking just like them. And, uh, you know, and, and with no real sense of like, oh, at age 11, the children, you know, should be arguing in the playground about fairness and rules and stuff because that's the value of play. And at that age, they start to become concerned with that. Well, if you yeah. take that away from them and you take over the, the rules and the administration and tell them what good behavior is and they don't take the responsibility themselves, what in the hell good are you doing? Cool. Yeah. Pete, do you have a how has your how has your ethic changed? Or is it still the same? Are you still, uh, uh, it's changed a lot. It's not it's not the same. <laughs> Um, I mean, a lot of why it's changed is probably just because in joining the, the golf practice and joining the golf business, you know, two or three years ago now, I'm around the game a little bit more. I think about it in very different ways than I used to from talking to you guys, talking to the rest of the guys. Just, I mean, my mind is on, um, on golf more than it ever has been just because I'm always around it. Um, I said this many times before, I would never in a million years use less than 14 clubs. If, if this was me, if you asked me to do that yeah. five years ago, just that would be crazy to me. I would never use a persimmon driver over my modern G430 or, or 425 or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Not out yet, yeah. I would never do that. That would be insane. That would be impossible for my mind to comprehend because what was the main goal at all times, whether I was playing in a tournament or I was playing with my, my dad in like a fun round at, you know, in Michigan, my goal was to shoot the lowest score I could possibly shoot. And if I didn't, I didn't live up to what I was supposed to be. So anyway, that's completely changed now as to where I, 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 their scores score will never, I don't, I don't think it'll ever fully go away from my consciousness, maybe from yours or yours, Pete, no, I but I don't think it can. I don't think it can, but I think, like back to Jeff Ogilvy, like obviously Ben Hogan wanted to sh wanted to perform well, but winning and succeeding was a byproduct of hitting good golf shots and wanting to hit good golf shots. Oh. It was a secondary thing. It wasn't the primary focus. Obviously, I want to shoot good scores. Obviously, I want to play well. I want to beat you at our matches. I want to win the staff trip. But like that's not the main focus at all times anymore. I think it's a byproduct of I don't know enjoying the game in different ways or focusing on different things um, being an artist with less than 10 clubs trying to hit different shots that you maybe would able just be able to hit a stock seven iron when you don't have a seven iron what do you do hit a you know a cut six iron or a high draw eight iron, whatever it is like being more or finding the inner inner artist or inner athlete to connect with, I think, uh, is more of a focus now than it ever was. Yeah. You know, you remind me of a, 
Somebody told a story about playing golf with Ben Hogan back in the day. It was one of his close friends at the club that he was at in his older time. And this guy was the kind of a guy who, in, in, as he's telling the story on himself, is the person that you're speaking to. I mean, somebody, he, he played golf with Hogan one day and he was playing badly. And so he chopped up um, this one hole uh, that they were playing. And while the other guys were playing out, he had some balls in his pocket and he he teed them up just off the green and started whacking them into the woods, you know, like trying to regain his <laughs> his swing, right? Yeah. And Hogan just took him to the woodshed and said, what in the world are you doing? I mean, how you're disrespecting us and disrespecting the game in your conduct out here is like if you ever act like this again i am never playing golf with you and so there there's a certain um there's a certain grace that hogan was saying you have to play with listen you you know we're all trying at our own levels right we all strive and we're all setting expectations you know for ourselves and we're trying to reach those things but you know come on i was that guy that you're talking about (laughs) i absolutely was that guy i used to you know whine about everything and my dad didn't want to play with me and we played maybe twice a year for the last i don't know 20 years and like that's not fun to play with that person, right? Mm-hmm. I was that guy. I wasn't necessarily teeing it up on the fringe and hitting it into the woods, but I was like, I mean, I was throwing clubs, swearing, head down, not saying anything. I don't know. It's just, I'm not that person anymore. I certainly have some of it in me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm very competitive, very competitive. I mean, it's a well-documented thing on this podcast, but and those that know me know that, but I, it's changed, I think. I think you... I don't know how, but I think it's it's changed. I think you develop a higher self. Yeah. And you you learn to walk with yourself better. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to imagine that I got an idea from somebody that maybe said to me one time, you know, if you if you were caddying for your best friend, would you talk to yourself the way that you or, or you talk to your friend the way you're talking to yourself? And that got my attention. You know, like, no, no. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so I started, you know, a practice of catching myself when I was whining in my head because I was just like you. I was a, just insufferable. Uh, to, you know, talk myself off the ledge, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and and it, originally it wasn't me. It was an imaginary Chivas Irons or, you know, uh, Sid, uh, Sid Rutherford, uh, who was my caddy for me at St. Andrews. Um, and, um, and so then it became, you know, after a while, it, you know, that, that person, uh, I started walking with myself better because Sid would talk to me like, you know, man up. Yeah. You know, or like Hogan. I mean, come on. You got to walk with some grace out here. 
You know, and if you exercise, you know, against your whininess, you get stronger against it. You know, so whininess gets to be like, a, you know, a, a, an adversary, a competitor, making you yeah. stronger, you know. Yeah, whine all you want. I'm walking on. I'm going to give, I'm going to bring my best yeah. this next shot. Well, can I share my ethic? Absolutely. Please. Just, I think I just like came up with it. Wow! Right. Live. Cool. Yeah. I, I've never Breaking been able. News. I mean, I talked about this before, but like, um, that, like the most vivid, uh, like golf memory is when it's like before my my first round in Scotland at North Berwick. It was my first round ever in Scotland, but like just pulling. It has a, the parking lot is kind of like. Uh, and hole 18 is kind of like 18 at St. Andrews where there's like the road and parking lot up the right side of it. But it's, uh, but the ground is somehow like, it's like up. The dunes are kind of like up a little bit from the cars. And so like when you like drive down this like narrow road and like park and then like get out and just like see this, like the most amazing place that to me, like I've ever seen that like completely like broke my, my brain. of like, oh, this is what golf, you know, this is what golf is. I was used to playing you know, Highland Park Country Club like 30 times a year. And so like to see this, it's like very different, a very different thing. But then it, it, it gave this this notion that like golf is not like all these other games like that we play, all these other sports that we play like basketball, football and stuff. But like that golf was, you know, this land was just there and it was like discovered, right? And so it's like it's been, it's like in like the fabric of, the universe almost like more than than these other things and so like to play golf is just to like kind of participate with that thing that's like always been there and so um i think that's where i'm at right now and so that kind of that's part of why i like want to play a fewer clubs so i'm like interested in like different drivers different things like that of like hey like what it's like poking around at like what what is this thing because it's not it's not what i thought it was you know and so um yeah, that's probably why I like to do this podcast. So, um, yeah, I like that. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, all right. Well, maybe this is going to be a continuing conversation. I'm, I'm interested in, like, think in thinking through more of these and maybe talking to more people. Yeah. So that's, it's, uh, it just takes some, you know, reflection to think through what, re, you know, reasons for playing or what you're, like ethic could be because yeah. um, it's just so obvious. Like sco- playing for a score is just like the most, the most obvious thing. And 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 I, I guess still keep score every time I play. I still want to do my best, but I am kind of like, it's again like you were saying, Pete. It's just kind of like something you, you write down on the way out of church or whatever. Yeah, but it's you know what you're searching for is your, I well I don't know it changes. You know, it's your fuel. It fuels you. Yeah. You know, if someone's yeah. uh, looking for for yeah. something that's is sustainable energy, you yeah. know, that's the problem. Is scoring isn't sustainable energy yeah. unless it's, you know, it 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 just kind of gets into your belly in a positive way. If it's yeah. eating you up, then that's yeah. not a yeah. that's yeah. not a great that's not a great fuel. Yeah. But if it's if if it leads you to an optimism that you will uh, get what you're looking for, um, 
that wh whatever you want, you know, you'll, you can find it, you know, you will find it if your fuel is good enough. Yeah. You know, so when you're with students, you know, I was looking, looking at this great kid uh, who I worked with yesterday. Um, she's just in junior high school, but I'm not sure yet why she does it. You know, and I and 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 what she likes about it. You know, um, I know she comes once a week, but you know that's not enough to get anywhere. You yeah. know, uh, and so that so our discussions and our own personal explorations are for a higher purpose in many ways. You know, and that is to be of greater service. Yeah. to you know the people that we come in contact mm -hmm. with to help them find that which will you know be sustainable fuel yeah yeah because i mean like just the default setting is is just like i'm gonna play golf and my goal is just to get better at golf yeah like that's it that's it. like i think ogilvy also said in that clip he said like ben hogan like didn't he didn't try to get better. He didn't. He didn't practice to get better. He practiced because he, lo you know, loved he practicing loved for the sake yeah. of practicing. Yeah. And getting better is what happened as a result of that. Which is, they maybe sound like the same thing, but I think it's actually a pretty important distinction to make. Yeah. Uh, just the thought of like, oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to get better. Like that's such a boring. That's a boring <laughs> reason to play. It just sounds like someone saying, oh, I, I, I just want to make, I just want to make more money, which like people do want to make more money in their life. They. But like, just like a, if someone just talked about that all the time, it would just be like, stop talking. Let's yeah. talk about something else. <laughs> you know, I wonder. You, you know, I've started Andy. Uh, I, I dare I say this? I've started dancing. Oh wow! Yeah, now I, not going out in ballroom dancing. Okay. I don't mean that. I mean dancing by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, because uh, because it, of its in, of. It's so enjoyable. I mean, to uh, to be able to move, you know, and to enjoy the movement, and that's what exercise has done for me. It's enabled me to move in ways that I haven't been able to move since I was a teenager, you know. Yeah. And I enjoy it, huh. and I enjoy rhythm, and I enjoy you know free expression. But I never gave myself permission to do it before. And uh, and now you know as I'm doing it, I can see how my golf practice is changing, because some of my golf practice is dance. Now you would call it gym work, but you know, that guy looks like what he's doing is really boring. You know, it's just sort of repetitive, uh, you know, coiling and pumping and stuff. But I can feel what's going on. I can feel that my glute muscles or my inside thigh muscles are are being enabled you know after mm -hmm. being asleep for many years and like hogan you know i think hogan gloried in that he said it was a privilege for me to go out and practice well why was it well because he wasn't taking for granted the fact that he was ambulatory he was giving thanks every day for his physical capabilities his ability to move and i believe that um he felt that way even when he was the only one who could see that he was connecting 
his brain to his muscle in a leg as he was recovering because they didn't believe he would walk again. They didn't believe he would live. And uh, that he played through uh, pain and weakness in his legs for the rest of his life and wore special this and that to make it work. I think he was just fascinated by all the stuff that he had to do and that he would do to get himself prepared to play because it wasn't a labor it was like a it was like zen flower arranging you know he became an artist at operating himself and he and he was thankful every day and so i think it was I think some of it is that. It's like, how do you tap into the gratitude that you have, you know, for what you have and your ability to, to have these things to create yourself as a golfer, as a com- performer, as a companion, you know. It's just a medium for us to develop ourselves, you know, with some definitions and with measurements and with all the things that are necessary to create optimal experience. So we are absolutely blessed. Yeah. All right. Guys. God bless you, Andy. Thank Clean you. Great. Contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. <laughs>